Hey, I'm Scott. And this is Jesse. Hello. So how's your week, Jesse? Terrific. <laughs> I'm excited to be talking about extreme knitting today. Extreme knitting, that's right. Yes. Uh, that, that's a good subject for today. We're changing the, the whole subject of the show. It's now that's all right. I, I don't participate anymore because of my injury. Yes. But, extreme uh, knitting injuries are ex- extremely common, I'm afraid to say. I got some uh, stuff from Blackstone. Good. Uh, let's see. The number two in the Homecoming series from Orson Scott Card is called The Call of Earth. And it's right here. So, um, interesting about this series. I don't know. You know, they don't really publicize this. I haven't seen this in a single description from a publisher. But the Homecoming series is actually a science fiction retelling of part of the Book of Mormon. Uh, Orson Scott Card is LDS, and uh, anyway, the the whole series is five volumes long. is a, a science fiction retelling of part of that uh, of their book of scripture called uh, the Book of Mormon. So, how does that work exactly? Have you uh, read the? Well, um, you know, you know, like um, you know, John Steinbeck wrote East of Eden, and uh, it's kind of a retelling of the Cain and Abel story in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the Memory of Earth, which is the first volume of this Homecoming series, I read it and really enjoyed it. And of course, I live in an LDS community, mm-hmm. um, so someone mentioned that to me. So I read the the book in uh, or the section of the Book of Mormon on which it was based, and it's pretty much the exact same thing, <laughs> mm. you know, told in science fiction, though. Um, like, uh, you know, obviously it's not the same. It is science fiction. Um, in, in the memory of Earth, um, humans have moved to a, a colony of some type um, that is not Earth, right? Because, you know, the memory of Earth, the call of Earth, it's like, you know, hey, you know, we're going to get to Earth, you know, someday. That's Eastern but, um, United States, right? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> in, the, in the Book of Mormon... Um, Israelites come to the new world. Right. Um, right. So anyway, uh, in the science fiction book, in the uh, memory of Earth and stuff, there's a they humans have created a colony, and there's a satellite that uh, orbits this colony, and the satellite will actually alter people's behavior. So if if someone thinks of something violent to do, the satellite will actually change your behavior subtly so that you forget that you did that, or forget that you thought of that. Hmm. Um, So uh, the result is a peaceful society, and uh, the problem at the beginning of the book is that the satellite system is failing. Okay? So obviously that's science fiction, none of that's in the Book of Mormon, but the satellite... Yeah, the satellite talks to Nephi, um, and basically, in the talking of the satellite to Nephi, that is kind of a parallel to God um, talking to the prophets in the Book of Mormon. And he has them do pretty much the same things that uh, that is in the Book of Mormon. So, uh, what, 
does this mean you, we have to leave the planet and go to another planet, or just uh, move east? Or, or eventually, west? eventually, yeah, eventually they do leave, and you know, I don't think that that's a big secret. You know, with the titles of the books, even, right. but you know, it's volumes down the road. There's five volumes. Okay. Um, but yep. Yeah. Well, might be might anyway. be interesting. I, I like Orson Scott Card's. Uh... Yeah, Memory of Earth is an excellent novel. The first one, I really really liked. It. I've read them all. And you say we got um, the second one in. How, how did that Yeah, happen? we got the second one. The first one's out for review. Ah, uh, okay. Um, next we have Philip K. Dick, The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch. Cool. Boy, what do you know about that one? Um, hmm. Uh, I believe it's one of his later novels. It's kind of a... Uh, one of his... Um, again, another religious novel. Um... Is science, uh, science fiction religion? Um, hmm. I'm not sure. I haven't. I, I have not read it, so I can't say exactly what it's about. But I believe there's this guy named Palmer Eldritch who uh, uh, is kind of like a maybe a faith healer who um, might you know have evolved uh, spiritually or something like that. But he uses a conventional media like television and etc. All that sort of oh. thing. Interesting. Should be interesting. Philip K. Dick yeah. is uh, crazy for religion, and um, uh, he, he cha- I believe he changed his religion about six or seven times during his lifetime. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah, he did was he ever, uh, did Episcopalian he ever and, um, <laughs> and then Catholic, and then he wanted to become a Jew, and then back to wow. Episcopalian or something like that. Gosh, I didn't know that. He's oh, big, he, he was a really, like um, like uh, a lot of guys, he was... He was, he was um, very interested in in the Bible and the religious stories, and just kept mm-hmm. just kept finding more and more interesting things in the different sects. I need to read some more about his life. I mean, there's there's books out there, just you know, biographies and mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Anything on audio? No, no, no audio audio bi- audio autobiographies or biographies. No, I don't mm-hmm. think he wrote an autobiography. So all of them are. But, but there, you know, there's a few movies and uh, or documentaries, anyways. There's one called mm-hmm. "The Gospel According to Philip K. Dick." Um, there's uh, um, um, there's uh, there, he had, I guess, in the '70s, he had a religious experience um, that he, he was always seeming to have having religious experiences throughout his life. But um, one of them is when uh, he ordered some. Uh, Drugs from the pharmacy, and the girl who came to deliver the drugs, uh, you know, at his door, was wearing a ankh on a chain around her neck. Um, and when he opened the f- the front door to uh, answer it, she um, she uh, uh, she said, "Hello, here's your drugs." And and he said, "Wow, that's great." And then uh, a pink beam of energy shot out from the ankh and hit him square in the forehead and. He had a religious experience. <laughs> I'm not well, sure well. <laughs> uh, how she would recall the event, but that's how he recalls it. So, <laughs> Next I have uh, 2012, The War for Souls, by Whitley Strieber. So it's kind of another religious type of thing, although uh, this one says uh, December 21, 2012, maybe one of the most watched dates in history. Every... 26,000 years, Earth lines up with the exact center of our galaxy. (laughs) 
How could it line yeah, up with the center of a galaxy? I'm not sure. At 11-11. Yeah, at 11-11 on December 21st, 2012, this event happens again, and the ancient Mayans calculated that it would mark the end, not only of this age, but also of human consciousness as we know it. I think it's every 53 years for the Mayans, or... It's a, yeah. a smaller number than know. that, um, <laughs> but aligning align. I don't see how you could align with. Uh, you know, we're we're circu- We're orbiting circularly. How can how can you line up with something unless you're lining up with some other object within within the galaxy? Yeah, I guess. Uh, hey, I don't you know. Got me. You um, got me. Whitley Stryber did a whole bunch of sort of um, aliens abducted me novels, right? Yeah, he did. And he's a talk show host, too. He does a radio oh, really? talk show, I know. Yeah. I've heard, have you ever heard of Art Bell? Yeah, yeah. Is he like yeah, that? Yeah, so Art, Art Bell, he's just like that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't, that doesn't sound like number one on my list to review. So. Yeah. Isn't it interesting, though, um, that UFOs and uh, a lot of the paranormal stuff is not really considered part of science fiction? Uh, it's that's you, an interesting. Um, uh, my, you know, I, I don't know a lot of uh, UFO abductee um, aficionados in the science fiction world. Maybe that's just me, but it, it doesn't seem to be compatible. Even though the the Sci Fi Channel down here in the United States, they uh, to them it's all one thing, you know. But I know that uh, it's really not. <laughs> No, uh, your uh, average your average science fiction fan is not following the UFO uh, phenomenon. No, they're more they're more into the sl- slide rules than the bongs. I think. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly. sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think they're related very much at all. I think um, they're sort of the opposites of each other. Hmm. Yeah. It's not. It's not even really fantasy either. It's. Uh, but you know what? Um, uh, we have the same thing with the Canadian science fiction channel called Space. Um, mm-hmm. When when it first came on, they were, they called it the Imagination Station, and the idea was it would be about fantasy and science fiction, I guess. Um, but they they had a lot of conspiracy shows, and there was actually a segment called the Conspiracy Guy. And I'm going, look, conspiracy is a whole subgenre of. Uh, books and you know uh, what's the that book? There's a book called uh, uh, Chariots of the Gods? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Chariots of the Gods? Question mark is is in every bookstore, every uh, used bookstore you go to. There's guaranteed to be a copy in there um, because it was super popular. But it wasn't super popular with science fiction fans, as far as I know, I'm aware. Is mm-hmm. um, it's it's just a conspiracy book. But right. it's, uh, I guess the idea is it's, it's uh, fringe, maybe. <laughs> you take two yeah, fringe yeah. elements and you, you lump them together. And, and what, they're both about uh, alien spacemen. Um, there have been a couple, you know, there's been a few novels that have worked it, worked it in pretty well as, uh, you know, a science fiction element or a fantasy element. Oh, sure, yeah. But Yeah, Arthur C. Clarke. Heck, Arthur C. Clarke is—he he kind of bridged the gap there because he—he had a TV show or something. I can't remember what it was. You're called, right. They're right. I didn't even yeah. think of that. Uh, what the was mysterious that worlds of Arthur C. Clarke or something like something that. Something like that. Um, uh, but I would say that was more of a skeptical show, wouldn't you? I, I barely remember. Well, 
yes and no. Yes and no. No, I mean, yeah, Leonard Nimoy did in Search of, you know, but yeah. he was just a narr- He was just a narrator in that. Right. He wasn't really a host. No. But Arthur C. Clarke. Um, I I wouldn't say that that was a skeptic show. I mean, uh, he definitely believed in UFOs and stuff like that. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm nearly positive. I shouldn't. I'll, I'll look into that more and see. But I remember a quote from him or something that said, you know, hey, to see UFOs, all you need to do is look up. You know, stuff. Like well, that. yes, but that that argument. I mean, that's the argument I always say too. A UFO, if you just it's just unidentified flying object. Guess what? There's thousands of them. Uh, if you're bad at mm-hmm. uh, distinguishing birds from airplanes, you're going to see a lot of UFOs. But sure, that's not sure. what most people mean when they say UFO. What they mean is alien spaceship. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they they yeah, literally I, I, think I, I know UFO they... means alien spaceship. <laughs> Man, have you ever seen a UFO? Yes, I've seen thousands of them, but not the kind you mean. So we've got two more to talk about. One is uh, Harlan Ellison, <laughs> On the Road with Ellison, Volume 3, from uh, Deep Shag Records. That's his own label or something, right? No, I, I don't think it's his label. Um, uh, Deep Shag Records, you can go on their on their website and they've got other stuff. They've just got okay. the three Harlan Ellison titles, Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 of On the Road with Ellison, which... Uh, is basically, um, heck, you and I uh, saw him at Worldcon one year. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the same kind of thing as that. Um, it's so just anyway, I'm, uh, I'm him really speaking extemporaneously. Exactly. Yeah, it's him on the road. He's on doing a uh, an appearance somewhere, and they recorded it. It looks like uh, it's actually from. Uh, three places. Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's Colorado College, something he did there in 91. Mm-hmm. Baycon, 93, in San Jose, California. And the University That one's of making me hungry. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> so it, it's a, it's a comp- compilation of three appearances from the looks of it. So, yeah, I've been waiting for... Uh, um, I know Blackstone is going to release another volume of his short stories um great so yeah i'm told that it's done and in the can but uh they have to release it so they they have um a lot in the can that they uh they're just they how many titles do they release a, a month six or something like that science yeah, something like that so yeah. yeah they they have a lot already just waiting to go i guess sure but mm-hmm. that's good if they released them all at once we would never be able to get to them <laughs> that's right um, right. So how did Boy, we uh, did did this one come unsolicited? The, uh, no, I I wrote and asked for it. Yeah, I, that I, must uh, have been ages ago, though. No, it's actually just a couple weeks ago. Oh, um, because yeah, I don't know. I was I was ripping some stuff into my iPod, mm-hmm. and uh, I came across those two. I have volume one and volume two, and put those in. And I said, you know, I think there's a volume three. So I looked it up, and there was. And cool. Yeah, so. Yeah, I just uh, I'm a big fan of Harlan Ellison. Me too. And one more in the new arrival category is Flash Forward by Robert J. Sawyer. Um, comes to us from Audible. Just in time for some and exciting now, uh, news it, about it. Yeah, and it's interesting too. This is uh, I did not know this. Um, I'm looking at the Audible page right now, mm-hmm. and the publisher is listed as Blackstone Audio. Really. 
It is. Hmm. Yes. Are you sure that's not a mistake? Because I thought that was um, uh, Audible Frontiers. You, yeah, you, you would think too. that they would know, but uh, maybe maybe they <laughs> yeah. somehow uh, got scooped. Right. Yeah, because I know a lot of their exclusive titles have been from Macmillan. Um, so. Maybe, no, no, uh, I believe that 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 all of the all of his books got pinched up by Audible Frontiers itself. I thought mm-hmm. that was how it had happened. Okay. Yeah, I can. Who, who's the narrator? A fellow named Mark Deakins. Someone I, uh, that's not a familiar name. To Never me. heard of him. Oh. How would you change your life if you knew what? your life was going to be like, or lack thereof, uh, you know, a few years down the road. Wow. It's not a, it's kind of a neat idea for uh, SF. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I just, I I totally enjoy Robert J. Sawyer. I mean, my first exposure to him was uh, Calculating God. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the the first novel I'd ever read in which the aliens are the ones who believe in God and can't believe that there are humans that... Um, that don't. Yeah, that was know? a pretty good twist on it, right? It was a really good twist on it, and I, I really like that book. And that's available on audio, too, also from Audible. I think, I'm pretty sure that's an Audible Frontiers title. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But it was fantastic. It was read by Jonathan Davis. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, highly recommend that one. Yeah, I quite like that one, too. Um, makes me want to go visit the Royal Ontario Museum. Yeah. When um, yeah. when Steen went to visit uh, Toronto, um, he uh, I said you know I heard great things about the Royal Ontario Museum. You better go 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 to it. And he says yeah I'll get to it. And I said no seriously if you have if you have any spare time go check it out. Um, and when he finally went he was saying, it was awesome. I should have brought my camera. And you don't usually say wow that museum is so exciting. Usually mm-hmm. say yeah it was all right. But he, he said, you know, he could have spent a lot more time there. So, um, yeah. the, the calculating god is set in in the Royal Ontario Museum. Hey, we're quoted on the uh, calculating god page at Audible. Oh, really? What's it say? Yeah, Jonathan Davis is one of our very best narrators, and this is a fine performance. I was wrapped the entire time, and even near tears at one moment in the book. Who wrote that? Who did that? That's How dare cool. they! <laughs> Fantastic. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Robert J. Sawyer's latest novel is being serialized in analog right now. The very first part is out. Wake. The latest issue. Yep, it's called Wake. And it's and, uh, the first of a trilogy, I understand. And uh, I think the very coolest part is um, I believe it's going to be adapted uh, to audio by the CBC. Um, I got. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, it's going. I I think it's going to be abridged, which is the bad news. But it should show up on the podcast as well, which is very cool. Between the covers podcast, we'll have it, and it's going to be airing on CBC Radio One uh, all across Canada. So they'll record an audiobook and just broadcast it. Yep. CWC does that. CBC does that. Yes. Um, or CBC. I think what I say, CWC. CWC yeah. is a video rental place in my town. Okay. <laughs> what does that stand for? Uh, you know, I don't know. Because we care, something like that. Because <laughs> we care video? Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. 
Well, <laughs> could be. Uh, CBC yeah. stands for Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. New, uh, new, newly completed uh, by uh, Julie at uh, Forgotten Classics podcast is the Wonder Stick, which is um, very, very early science fiction novel. Actually, the first novel written by Stanton A. Koblenz. Um, He wrote a. I actually made a sub page for him because it was so easy. A science fiction page for him. He's only got two titles released on audio. Um, one by Blackstone and the other by Julie. Um, and what's interesting is they're, it's their first and the last novel. Cool. Um, so it's, you know, it covers the, the outside and the inside. Um, and now we just have to fill in all the middle. Um, Wonder Stick came out in, I guess, the 1920s, 1929. And um, it's a prehistorical novel. Which is uh, really a, a, a sort of a forgotten branch of science fiction, which I, I'm really a big fan of. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the last one that everybody sort of glommed onto was the Clan of the Cave Bear. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, sort yeah, I of, do. Uh-huh. Um, novels about uh, er, the earliest, um, earliest of humanity. And uh, I actually listened to the Clan of the Cave Bear on audio. Hmm. It's one of the first ones I heard. Probably unabridged too, right? It was unabridged, and it was on uh, those book cassettes where you you flip them over. Yeah, that was brilliance. Uh, yeah, stuff. brilliance audio. Yep, checked it out from the library in Tucson, Arizona. Hmm. How, how did you happen to be there at the time? Oh, I, that's where I went to college. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Clan of the Cave Bear was, um, I guess, about the transition from uh, uh, Neanderthal to. Um, I don't know, Cro-Magnon or something like that, um, and just about what what life is like when you're get, you know on your quest for fire or whatever. Um, uh-huh. Wonder- That's pretty much what it was about. Yeah, was about, uh, I remember it sort yeah. of being very, um, very uh, what do you call that? Um, episodic in a sort of a. Uh, and I, I'm probably recalling the movie as well, but um, mm-hmm. this is not quite like that. This is um, this is uh, this is more of like an adventure story, um, but sort of done as a juvenile. It's sort of like an early juvenile novel, um, with the main character being a, a caveman named Rue, who is uh, like the nerd of his his uh, clan of the cave bear, um, and his adventure is to um, sort of invent all of the technology. That uh, we would later come to call, you know, the prehistorical human technology. Instead of just hanging out in the cave all day and grabbing things and eating them with your fa- your hands, he's going out there and thinking of new technologies to improve people's lives. But he doesn't get a lot of respect, and so he has to go out go out from his community and uh, prove himself, and then come back and triumph. Huh. Uh, and it's it's very um, it's very uh, old fashioned in the dialogue i think um mm-hmm. so one of the things that was kind of it kind of throws you off is the um when when individual characters aren't speaking but when a group is speaking you know what their opinions are you don't get a, a varied range of opinions you just sort of like get a greek chorus of this is what we're saying and they all mm-hmm. sort of talk that way and that that's sort of you know could be that 
that's the way humans actually used to talk as in uh-huh. Greek chorus, but it just sort of feels like strange <laughs> sort of primitive early storytelling by Koblenz rather than... Uh, so that that's sort of jarring. But other than that, it's actually quite an entertaining little romp, um, and I can I can really see why Julie and um, and her family are really into the book. It's um, it's I guess it was first published in twenty nine, but it 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 was uh, out for a while in the nineteen forties, and it looks to be public domain. But I'd never even heard of it before it got podcast, and um, I think it's well worth a listen. Oh, that's neat. Hmm. Yeah, I saw on her blog that uh, her next book is going to be The Secret Adversary by Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to keep up with it. Yeah, um, there was some there was some very upset uh, Agatha Christie estate people because um, people are uh, podcasters are starting to record the early Agatha Christie books. Mm-hmm. Because they're in the public domain in in most countries, uh, or at least in the United States, in many cases, um, and so uh, there was a bit of a kerfuffle when um, I believe the first book by Agatha Christie, uh, which is eluding me, the name of it is eluding me right now, but the, uh, the it was going to be hosted on LibriVox, and then they got a uh, cease and desist order, I guess, from. The estate of Agatha Christie saying that in in Canada, um, even though it's not hosted, the files are not hosted in Canada because the owner of or not owner, the man who created LibriVox lives in Canada, um, mm-hmm. and it's not out of copyright in Canada that uh, they they couldn't host it. So um, I believe uh, Maureen O'Brien from uh, the Marie Electrics podcast is doing the first Agatha Christie um, novel. And oh, this is going to be Julie doing the second one. So it's pretty cool. Wow. It says uh, the first novel is called The Mysterious Affair at Styles. Yeah. Uh, That's I, her first book, published in 1920. It's um, it's a uh, uh, Hercule Poirot, Poirot. Yeah. book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of the ones that is told uh, from the perspective of Hastings, which is interesting. It's, I believe it's third person, and then Hastings sort of takes the the, the lead. Huh. I, I I I was into Agatha Christie for quite a while, um, but she she's got her formula and um, it becomes repetitive. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it is uh, ultra repetitive. I find. Mm-hmm. Last night I recorded another podcast. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't be faithful to you, Scott. But uh, you know, I have a wandering eye. Oh man! Uh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, in fact, it was a group thing. Uh, I know. Oh dear! I'm not trying to get freaky on you here, but yeah, uh, I was watching. Hey, uh, I was uh, watching um, uh, movie The Thing. The the people from Hey want to watch a movie. Ah, and um, that's actually uh, science fiction's version of um, uh, Ten Little Indians. Oh. And then there were none because it's yeah sure about ten guys um, stuck in an Antarctic research station while uh, uh, they're getting picked up one by one or two by two. <laughs> yeah, that's they cool. don't know who the murderer is. That's it's, right. Turns out it was Hog. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Good stuff. Uh, 
Yeah, terrific movie. I told you about okay. the Stanton Acoblentz uh, subpage, um, which includes uh, the only two audiobooks uh, published by him so far, All or right. uh, published from his book so far. I mm-hmm. also added a couple of new um, new uh, author pages, uh, including one by or one about. Let's see, um, H. Beam Piper. Um, I guess I added that last week, and. Um, I was just listening last night to um, Tony Tony Smith's Starship Sofa podcast, and he does a whole show on um, H. Beam Piper, so that's worth checking out um, if you're into him. I'd love to list uh, that show on on this um, on this sub page about H. Beam Piper, but Tony, I believe, does not keep his stuff in his feed for very long. So by the time I get it posted in there, it might be. Um, might be already out of the feed, so go download that real quick. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Pretty pretty interesting guy. Yeah. Um, and I think I posted another one. Um, it's uh, we're getting a lot of people. So sort of done slowly at one at a time. Um, oh, John W. Campbell. Yeah, actually, I did that um, in anticipation of watching uh, the thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's more of an editor than a, a writer, but um, there's a few things out by him. Um, you know, he had an audio uh, or radio drama series in the 1950s that he uh, he ran. Yeah, I did know that. Mm-hmm. There's a few, there's a few um, MP3s available, um, and some of them we don't even know who wrote them. Uh, oh. We don't know when they were broadcast exactly. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, some of them, they're not, they're not too bad. Um, Paul Anderson, Robert Silverberg. Uh, there's a Philip K. Dick one. That one um, is harder to find an MP3 of, but it, it, there are some out there. Um, and uh, they're w- well worth a listen. It's kind of interesting to hear Campbell talk, too. You know, he's, he's oh, cool. such an influential guy uh, yeah. in science fiction. Um. We, there's a um, audio book under production uh, called The Black Star Passes, which is actually a collection of three Campbell stories that are sort of tied together with, uh, mm-hmm. with the same uh, recurring characters in them. And that's actually still in production, but the, should be the first uh, the first third of it is out, I believe. Um, and that was one of the SFF, SFF Audio Challenge titles. So um, that's going to win somebody a prize when it's completed. And um, the last one on the list is the uh, 2002 adaptation of Who Goes There, uh, which got turned oh. later into um, the movie, uh, the thing. But that that was one of my favorite audio dramas ever released, radio dramas. Hmm. Um, Mike Walker is sort of a big name in BBC uh, radio drama and he did the adaptation. Um, it's set in Antarctica, same as, as the book uh, or the, the short story. And um, the only difference really is that it's uh, a bunch of British guys instead of a, a mixed American group. Um, mm-hmm. But that is that used to be available via, via the zombie astronaut, but um, that file is no longer online. So somebody out there uh, has a access to it 
um, send me a link. I'll I'll link it up. Um, it's from BBC Four. Um, it might be on the uh, there's a public radio torrent site. I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it might be on there. But um, we're, we don't normally link to torrents, so they they don't tend to last that long. So we'll wait for a more mm-hmm. stable source. Did you read uh, Kurt's review of Something Wicked This Way Comes? Oh, yeah, of course, you bet. Yeah, he's he's so good. Yeah, yeah he's a great writer. I, I really like I really like reading his reviews, even especially when they're actually negative. This one's a, a very positive review, but um, mm-hmm. I find just reading a uh, Kurt review makes me have a sort of an extra kick in my step. Um, uh, it's just it's just a, he's very insightful, very thoughtful. Um, and he's sort of got that wicked sense of humor uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that he just doesn't let something go if it's not if it's not working. You bet, you bet. Um, it's good stuff. I've not, I haven't heard that much of the uh, Colonial Radio Theater guys, but um, uh-huh. he seems to like this pretty well. Um, how about how about we talk about uh, Dean Koontz's new book? Oh yeah, go ahead. I haven't I haven't listened to any of it, but okay. Oh, you really you haven't heard the? No, I, uh, I the saw excerpt? your post. Oh, I saw your post, but no, I didn't listen to it. Oh my god, um, a few. I guess it was earlier this year or something like that. I was visiting the Dean Koontz website. He used to have a, a very brief podcast um, that was actually pretty interesting. Dean Koontz is a really interesting guy, um, but on on the Dean Koontz uh, website. Uh, there was something that sort of was, I guess, alluding to this this new book, which is called uh, Bliss to You. Uh, it's quoted as, uh, This inspiring collection of observations from author Dean Koontz and his departed beloved canine friend will offer heartfelt insights from the vantage point of doggy heaven. And um, that's exactly what it's about. It's written um, as if... Uh, Dean Koontz's dog is still alive. Trixie, his dog, is still alive, who looks to be a yellow lab. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's completely nuts. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. I need to listen to that. Completely nuts. Um, it, the way we can tell the dog is talking is because dogs, like cats, uh, have terrible grammar. Um, they have wonderful <laughs> hearts that, um, you know... Uh, only think wonderful things and want to go on walks all the time. But we can tell that they're dogs and cats because they have terrible grammar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm well, I have a, wondering why. I have a really good memory. I've, uh, you know, uh, Dean Koontz audiobooks are normally just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. One of them that I remember really well is called Dragon Tears. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a fantastic audiobook. And, uh, Gosh, what, what was that one about? It was about uh, it was about a bad guy. <laughs> what can <laughs> as I say? They usually are, there there yes. was a guy who uh, he basically, as I remember it, and it's been a long time, but he could uh, he had powers of being able to project himself to places, mm-hmm. and uh, he was just an, an evil guy. I mean, he would kill people and stuff. And the story was about the these two uh, police officers that are trying to catch him, mm-hmm. right? But one of the things that made me think about this right now is that um, 
there was sections of the book written or from chapters written, written from a dog's point of view. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah. just kept saying, good dog, good dog. And I, I remember that in my head. I'm trying to remember who the narrator was. Um, I, I know his voice, but, oh, Jay Sanders. J.O. Oh, Sanders. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic audiobook. And they re-released it recently, so it's out there. Who's that? Who, who published that? Um, let's see. I remember Simon and Sh- Simon and Schuster Audio. Yeah, that would be a good, uh, good, re- you know, republish of anything. Dean Koontz is usually quite enjoyable. I just, I cannot imagine that this will be, um, given that it's it, it it's like, is this a self help book? Is this? I think he's just gone crazy for his. You know, like I understand his dog's dead and he's upset about that, but can't he find? Um, like the publishers need to. Say you know, dude, we'll publish anything you you, you put out, but couldn't you make a, like a fiction book? Because mm-hmm. this does not sound like this sounds like just a the publisher cashing in on the Dean Koontz name rather than, and you know sort of his grief over his his deceased dog rather than I can't imagine you know in the grand canon of Dean Koontz books when when they go to uh, make that list that this is going to be very high on the list this is going to be down the bottom is my guess <laughs> not wow. having read it but listen <laughs> having listened to the excerpt and sort of got the idea beforehand um it doesn't sound right to me <laughs> <laughs>